Hello and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the latest episode. Oh yes, it's that time of year again. So to mark Halloween, we're revisiting Anhoy's classic 2000s ghost comedy, Visible Secret. Why? Well, more on to that later. We'll also talk a little bit about New Horror Back Home, which is coming to UK cinemas mm-hmm. from the 27th of October. But first, we have that most important <laughs> of questions that regular listeners will be waiting to hear. What are you drinking? Uh, well, it's very stormy here. Where, where I'm in the west coast in the middle of North Scotland, so I have a very, very large glass because I couldn't be bothered bringing the bottle through. Um, Boonahaben, 12-year-old uh, single malt whiskey, which is actually really strong. And it's Ooh. very, very nice. So I'm looking forward to wiring into that with the this noise of the wind howling around outside. <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> So, uh, appropriate enough, I've got some Duvel oh, 666, or I technically 6.66, so not quite Okay, the, okay, uh, but I'm sure, he, I'm sure he'd be happy to have a sup on it anyway. Shall we talk about Visible Secret? Why are we talking yes. about Visible Secret? Well, yeah, it's Halloween. Um, another, reg- another thing regular listeners will probably know that James mm-hmm. and I are Focus Hong Kong, and we are doing a special yeah. screening at the Garden Cinema on the 30th of October. Um, and part of that is because it's getting a new release yes. from Radiance Films, um, on which I think is, is it's... Debut on Blu-ray. I believe, yeah, I believe globally, so, and it? I actually think our. I'm not 100 percent sure in this, but our, our screening might be the, technically the U, the first UK cinema screening of it. Did it? I think it might have screened at at, uh, at a season called Visible Secrets or Invisible Secrets or something. Um, okay, fair like enough. I didn't. I didn't research back that. I didn't go. I so looked not, at the not, time. Not, and I looked more recently. <laughs> I didn't find it. Yeah. I mean, it is strange though because I mean, I think you know, in some ways, that highlights mm. something that's quite interesting about the film, and in, in that it is up to now, it's been it, it, has, it has been really I, I, overlooked. Absolutely. It was really originally released in mm-hmm. in two thousand and one, um, and what was kind of that that boom boom mm. of the sort of post Ringu mm-hmm. Asian horror, but it was actually reasonably early sure, I think we might sure. talk about the context in, mm-hmm. it, in a bit more but it's it's it, it was a, a lot before the, the, a lot of the other mm-hmm. films that we know from Hong Kong um, like The yeah. Eye uh, like sure, My Left yeah, Eye yeah. Sees Ghosts like films like um, uh, uh Mm-hmm. Even like three, which oh, was Christ, hilariously yeah. titled Three Extremes <laughs> the old, Two. The old three confusion, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> but no, absolutely, absolutely, it comes at a very interesting time. We'll talk about that context, both in terms of the post ring, um, the post ring craze, uh, and what, for better or worse, what that brought to Asian horror and international horror, even. But 
Uh, 2001 coming like post handover as well, coming off a, a very unsuccessful box office decade for Hong Kong cinema. So it, it comes at a very in, interesting mm. time, and obviously a very interesting choice of uh, a film for uh, for Anne Hoi. And uh, we can talk about the context of her career a bit, but it it was pretty. It was pretty mm. successful, despite all that, more than some of her other films. Yeah, I think it's saying like almost, almost ten nine, which is pretty. It's actually dollars. pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. It is a solid one for a genre film. It's it's a solid performance, and it's is interesting. I mean, mm. that's one of one of many reasons why it's quite interesting, as well as mm. it being Anne Hoy, apart from anything else. That it's it's it seems very seems to have kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm looking forward mm. to most with this new release, but, you know, we, we had the old DVD, yeah. which is really <laughs> yeah, shitty transfer, only, to be fair. That's the problem. And, like so many of them were, you know, bring back the laser disc, they had some decent <laughs> transfers, but not, not this. Um, but it, it just seems so, it, it really didn't no. find any kind of foothold. No, 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 absolutely no, not, not at all. And it's, it's not even... It's it's kind of it falls falls between the cracks to an extent, I guess, in that way because it's not. If you're like a proper Anne Hoy fan, I guess, then it it's kind of sticks out amongst her CV a bit, both as a you know as a genre film and a slightly more commercial mm. one. And if you're a hardcore horror fan, then it's not really a normal horror film in that respect quite either. Either as a post ring film, or even like compared to the Hong Kong horrors of the which would have come before like the eighties or nineties, so it is. I, I can kind of see why it's slipped through the cracks, but it's a bit, it's a bit strange because it did win quite a few awards and nominations and things as well. So it actually did well. It did get some profile, and let's be honest, like so many of the less deserving films from around Asia, which made their way to the, so even just to the UK. Um, it's it's strange that something was overlooked, even if they they could have like given it a new cover to make it look mm. like a ring film, as they did with so many other ones. So it, it's strange that this didn't. Yes. No, so let's get a exactly. girl with quite long black hair and uh, yeah, or just a, a slightly now. sleazy picture of Shu Chi or something. <laughs> you know, there's lots of ways it could have been sold uh, when they were really scraping the barrel for a lot of stuff. So I find it is quite strange that it's not it, it's not come out uh, before. Um, in the West, because it is a pretty... There's a lot, apart as well as having Anne Hoy, and there's a lot of... It's got a really great cast as well, which is another reason it is a bit surprising that it's not as well known as... Uh, we, we've mentioned Shu Chi there, uh, but also Eason Chan, of course, eternally popular. Uh, Sam Lee, Cara Hoy, and <laughs> Anthony Wong in a small role. So it's got some you know, really big names of, of Hong, Kong, Hong Kong cinema for, you know, for international audiences too. So... Um, and even behind the camera, um, I mean, it was written by uh, Abe Kwong, who who actually directed the sequel and wrote the sequel, Visible Secret 2, which Anne Hoy mm. just produced, which probably means she didn't really have anything much to do with it, to be fair. But he he's one of those guys that a huge mix of stuff, you know, acting, directing, writing, producing, and that kind of mad Hong Kong credit, which you get, like, presenting a film. So, I'm never quite sure exactly what it means, but, but he did work know. on a lot of good Hong Kong <laughs> horror stuff in the 90s, like uh, July 13th, uh, Day That Doesn't Exist, Haunted Karaoke, um, and then he moved on to more big-budget stuff, like Painted Skin, 14 Blades. He did, he did one of those... He wrote and produced one of those four films, but I... They all roll into right. one. I can't remember if there was three, the four, or four of the four. And, oh, anyway, and he recently he recently did uh, the great, the grand grand master, which we've never quite screened. <laughs> but it was shot. It was shot by a really talented guy, Arthur Wong. Um, he'd been working since seventies. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Shaw Brothers fans would know him. 
from from work on like 36 Chambers, Charlotte and Dirty Ho and then a lot of uh, Foo fans, so to speak, uh, would know him from working in lots of like Jackie Chan and Samuel films, the, the Once Upon a Time in China films, mm. though. Uh, as well as that, he, he did quite a few like schlockier horror sequels. Uh, but interestingly enough, kind of balancing that then working with like Peter Chan, Edward Yang, Mabel Chung. So again, did a real mix. And I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of seeing guys like those two involved in this as well, which lends itself a bit more to this idea of Van Hoy, you know, doing something a bit different, doing something a bit more fun, but also at the same time working with people who had quite a bit of history in this in this genre as well. So I, I think it's probably mm. why it does feel, you know, quite authentically like an old school horror ghost film. And there's still, uh, there is still a fair amount of spooky action um, in it. Um, and there's not really, and by spooky mm. action, I'm, I'm meaning that kind of 80s, 90s Hong Kong style stuff. Uh, but it, it doesn't really go into the full martial arts side of thing, unsurprisingly. But we do, you do have a bit of choreography, which is by uh, uh, Lee Cher Kit, who you did like Magic Cop, Vampire versus Vampire. And, Lots of Samu um, in Jackie Chan films, later the Ip Man films, and mm. actually is the brother of Samu, Samu Hong as well. So it does actually have a bit of action. Okay, yeah, someone so, so yeah, a huge amount of talent in front of him behind the camera. Um, you know, even beyond I Know Yourself, which we think would have been enough for it to, to get more of an international release. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, uh, just a mystery, uh, I suppose, especially since it's, it is a very good film uh, as well, which is another reason why it's odd that it never really got out there more. And I think that I mean that to me that that is part of of mm. the problem as well because when I got to to see it and when lots of other people got to see oh, it, yeah, there was a big oh, clump of all these films we were seeing all at the same time and and pushing them together. So it's I don't I don't to me this isn't part no, of I, that that mm-hmm. cash in which came I think um, with films like The Eye where people like you know, particularly like Peter yeah. Chan recognising there was this hole in the market mm, let's mm, start mm. to make horror films that we can sell internationally and he was producing True. you know like yeah. the, the three series and, and the, the Eye um, mm, mm, quite mm. cannily um, this this is before that and has much more to do with just the proper old school um, it, Hong yeah. Kong ghost yeah. stories uh, that we were getting the sort of the mm, success mm, of the mm. Troublesome Night series and um you know all the the stuff that had happened before, like like Out of the Dark and sure, Ghost sure, Series and yeah. Ghost Snatchers and all that. It's it it has some of these contemporary mm-hmm. kind of effects, but also it's not. It's really as much as as that. It's it's really also very much a successor to and always earlier. Oh, the Spooky story. Bunch, yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, indeed. And that's and that's another that's another one which I think gets overlooked a bit. Or I mean, you know, it's. It still gets its screenings and everything, but it's because uh, that's not it's less of a horror film, I guess, than Visible Secret in quite a few ways. Uh, I'm saying yeah. a great film, a great film as well. What, what was that? Her third film or something? Spooky Bunch, give or take, third or fourth film. Yeah, third or fourth film. Whereas this yeah. was her like nineteenth or twentieth. I think, I think Visible Secret. So it's uh, quite a long time between a couple of decades be, between her two uh, horror or two like horror-ish outings. I guess quite a long time. Yeah. I think I feel like being a part of the problem here is that because actually Han Hoi does a mm. wide variety of films, you know, a lot, a lot that yeah. kind of touch on romance yeah. in, in various ways, but often in 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 sort of historical mm. situations. But I think because she was one of the most applauded Hong Kong filmmakers, not even female Hong Kong yeah. filmmakers, but one of yeah. the most applauded, acclaimed Hong Kong filmmakers, um, you know, with mm. things like The Boat People. 
it, it, it almost I, and I think this is much more of the sort yeah. of western perspective that, that, that to kind of put down these other films that she was doing and, and not kind of appreciate the fact that she has quite a sense of humour. Yeah. She wanted to have a bit of fun, yeah. let her, you know, let her hair down, and kind of do mm. some of these other kind of genres, which she, which she did, and don't. I don't. I don't really think any of her kind of other genre work really kind of makes it so much as the sort of no, the no, they don't get the, talked about. Yeah, sort of romantic no, and no, historical dramas, like Zodiac killers, um, and whatnot. Some of those other slightly mm. uh, odder films. Even like a, the what, yeah, the, the secret, secret sure. and, you know, stuff is, yeah, is yeah, her, yeah. her first film. Um, yeah, no, 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 I, I agree with you. Um, she actually has more of a, a varied CV than we, we'd see over here. But then I guess, I mean, as you say, like in the West, we get the uh, the award baits and the cineast bait films, mainly from a lot of Asian <clears throat> directors, you know, but we don't, we don't see the other side it's, of them. We, 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 uh, we do. Uh, we don't really, we do tend to oh, yeah. compartmentalise. No. I mean, oh, I, no, no, we, I don't mean you, us. You and I personally don't, but <laughs> I think in terms of critics, but... Uh, it, it, we do tend to compartmentalise these these things. So yes, yeah, Stephen Chow can go off and oh look, well, he, does, he just does comedies. We want to watch yeah. those. Or oh, Anhui does serious films. We just want to watch those. And anything else mm. that doesn't fit that, we don't really accept. And and that's not something we don't we don't because of the, yeah. the niche that we're in. I think that's yeah, it's part yeah. of the sort of world cinema niche. Is it, it kind of puts that kind of concern. If you have Western directors doing different genres, that's seen mm-hmm. as fun. We don't. We don't put no. that kind of, uh, kind of compartmentalisation. No, that's on definitely true. Filmmakers. That's definitely true. And unfortunate. Um, you know, whereas we do, whereas we do, and and you know, with with, with Asian audiences, they don't put those sort of compartmentalised Asians. That's mm-hmm. the word. You know, of, of 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 genre of of what they expect from their directors in that same way either. So yeah. So so James, you know, I mean, guess. Give us all a, a little pricey of the yeah. of the the plot because you know we've got Shuki in one of her first proper leading roles as well, uh, making a proper a transition from the the, the yes, Rossi roles. Yeah, yeah. The, this was this was one of her first uh, mid yeah, to late nineties commercial. To yeah, starring. Yeah, um, yeah. Give just a ver- she she'd been in. Uh, sorry, James. I mean she'd just been in. Millennium I, I Mango, think that came out slightly after, but she, I don't know which order they were filmed yeah. in. It came out after I think we had been it had been screened at Cannes like a like a few weeks. Must have been very must have been very tight because this was this was what, first of first of June it was released. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what order they were filmed yeah. in. To yeah. be honest, anyway. So <laughs> no. no, no, we won't know that. But that's it's yes. it was it really her her you know actually her becoming a, a lead actress and what would happen next with her yes. being something like so close and yeah. the transporter and etc etc etc. And. Ethan Chan. So yeah, yeah. The, just very, the, just very brief since we're as we were, since we're screening yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think we want to tell everyone exa- mm-hmm. everything exactly that happens because it is quite an interesting, quite fractured narrative. So what I say here is just really scratching the surface. Um, so we get Ethan Chan as Peter, um, and he's a hairdresser, and he meets Shu Chi's character June at a nightclub, and she's um, she's an amnesiac, but who also claims to be able to see ghosts via uh, a third eye and. She's quite odd in, in that sort of quirky way, but he, he falls for her very quickly and they start going out. And though it's a bit odd that she keeps on, she can see ghosts. He, he starts seeing spirits himself everywhere. And these kind of range from, some are quite friendly, comical, which is kind of the, the more comedy aspects of the script. Uh, and some are pretty dangerous and vicious. Uh, 
as we go on, as, as things go on more through it, we get a bit of personal tragedy. He, he starts to think that she might be the cause of it. Uh, and then he has to try and figure out exactly what's going on. And these are the other narratives involving some of the ghosts. And uh, we kind of get this um, bit of a blurring of like the real world and the, the underworld uh, and about the present and the sins of the past mm. and, how, and how trauma can affect people and to what extent you can or can't move forward. With stuff, so that, I think that's that's not a bad way of putting it. <laughs> that's sounding, it's it's, it's quite Actually, deep, it isn't is. it? Really, there's there's For a lot going there's a lot going on in it, <laughs> and it is, and it is as if it's kind of a it's fractured narrative. It's an overused term, but in this case, it does jump around quite a lot, and you do have various subplots going on in the story. Uh, and although you know Ethan Chan and Shu Chi are the main characters, there are like a, a lot of quite important small roles in the film. Uh, and at the same time, these aren't really being used for like big twists and turns and sudden revelations. So um, again, yeah, without saying too much more about it, mm. it is a much more it's a much more interesting film. And I think that's another thing that makes it a lot more different to something like you know these ring ring clones, which we've been talking about, which tend to be very very single minded. I mean, they all basically have the same plot. You know, you have your gimmick, whether it's the you know in ring the videotape or it's a haunted cello, a haunted wig, a haunted cat something and then you have the female protagonist investigating it um she's usually quite depressed then we'll have the, the long-haired female ghost who's representing a curse and cursing people and it'll look like it's coming together at the end revelation of dark secrets and then the curse doesn't seem to have ended they're all pretty much the same <laughs> um mm. the visible secret doesn't follow any of that pattern at all um as we've said and it's very very different to pretty much all of the ones from Japan um, and Korea at the time, which mostly either followed Ring or The Grudge. Um, and a lot of other countries kind of tacked on to that too. I mean, Th- Thailand was a bit different, I guess. I mean, we had some which were similar, like, uh, what do you call it, Shutter. But you had a lot of other mm. anthologies and ones which were kind of a mixture of very Thai-specific, like urban legends and folktales at the time. So it, it was more similar yeah. to to Hong Kong in that respect. Um, and I, I don't mean any of this in a negative way, but I think it's fair to say we've been looking back at some of these uh, Ringu knockoffs a lot more fondly probably than we did at the time when we were getting deluged <laughs> with them. Now uh, I'm, I'm a lot more open, openly minded. They seem like such, such golden days, of, don't they? they? Whereas do. at the time... At the, t- the yeah. time, there were so many of them just coming in yeah, every so week that we were absolutely a bit overblown. And I think now we can... We can look back and kind of, kind of. And we were getting, and we were getting sort of not tricked into the... watching some of them, but with some of them because of the box art or, or because of the way they were being presented, either the Asian releases we were seeing or all the time the ones which were making it o- over here. But there was quite a few of these other ones like um, the Korean one, like Sorum, or some of the other Korean ones like the Memento Mori and everything like that, which were visible secret has more in common with. Um, than other Ringu films, but those ones were getting pushed as like Ring films, uh, especially something like Sorum, which is not a bad film, but it's just it's baffling. Or the Uninvited, you know, there, there's so many of these films which were just being lumped in together to this Ring thing. But it's interesting that we really didn't get many of them from Hong Kong. Um, as you said, this came slightly before those those films took off uh, to an extent more. But even after that, I mean, I'd say The Eye is not really isn't really one of those kinds of films too much. I mean, it's got a, it's got a gimmick, but it, the gimmick with like your left, you know, being able to see ghosts after the, um, you know, the eye operation and stuff. It, yeah, it's Sixth more, it's, it definitely borrows a lot yeah. from The Sixth Sense more right. than from yeah. Ring or anything like that. But even then, after that, it goes all very karmic yeah. and yeah. spiritual. 
um, and whatnot. So I think it's a lot more mm. culturally tied. Whereas I think, in particular, the ones from Japan, we're still sort of tying into, um, the, you know, without going down a rabbit hole on this, you know, what Nakatsu was doing a lot of the time in the seventies <laughs> and the eighties, which was trying to create. Uh, borderless or nationality-free films, which could be screened around the world or remade by other people around the world. So I think a lot of the Japanese ones which came out were not specifically Japanese unless they were using in a sort of exotic way to, to try and sell around the world or to sell to audiences. The same to a degree from Korea, but I think other countries like uh, Hong Kong uh, and to an extent Thailand, uh, they leaned a bit more both towards local audiences, but but also towards like local concerns. I don't think they were so internationally, internationally pitched, and and I think that's something for Hong Kong. You've seen, I think you've seen that a lot of the time through Hong Kong uh, horror, which has got a pretty, it's got a pretty interesting tradition. Uh, Hong Kong horror. I mean, it came along quite a bit later later than mm. uh, Japan or, or Korea or it was there from quite a while I mean, we did have a lot of Hong Kong horror like pre pre the mid 60s but most of that wasn't really horror horror it was um, you know Pu Song Ling's writing like strange stories from the Chinese studio so we had a lot of those yeah and and we we yeah and, and sort of like from 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 mainland China you get things yeah, like some of the nightmares or the phantom yeah. opera and stuff like that you know you've got that as a, as an influence but they're not really horrors they're more um, just about the interactions between the sort of more yeah, gothic it's, it's like interactions kind of. with the spiritual world mm. but but more like there's still like relationships yeah, yeah. between usually women from the spiritual world and and men in the in the real world quite often well. And yeah, another classic example of that yes, is absolutely. the Enchanting Shadow, which which is yes, from the absolutely from that's, that's the, a perfect perfect uh, example book and 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 becomes yes, a Chinese it, it, ghost story uh, later on, but yeah, the original 1959, 1960 mm. Shaw Brothers film is 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 very is very much a Hammer House of Horror, yeah. a Hammer Horror yeah. kind of. Prince of Dracula kind of uh, of take on the yeah, on the yeah, story. We've seen so. those being re- being revisited through the through the decades, um, and then to um, I mean it kind of bled into the early seventies anyway. We were still getting a lot of Pooh Songling stuff, and then I think as horror started to change around the world, you know, like post Exorcist, Night of the Living Dead, and that's when the mid seventies we started getting the Shaws and Ho Hua going like for black magic and everything again. But again, something mm. which is very specifically cultural so even with those films which is interesting um because obviously at that time the shows were very keen on selling stuff around the world but the horror films they were churning out were not they were not internationally minded whether it was those films or when they're doing some of the really fantastic gruesome stuff in the early 80s like seating of a ghost or corpse mania (laughs) so even then they weren't very you know they were still quite hong kong i would say they were still quite more for the local the local audience and it wasn't really till we started getting into the 80s and Choi Hark started, and others started bringing a lot more special effects and spectacle in the sort of Hollywood style mm. even got old um, he brought old um, yes uh, over which for, one is it I, I always some of the songs didn't he yeah we're going no, to was it, we're going not, to meet, it's um, not that one I always that one? forget the name I always forget the name Choi Hark yeah. didn't direct it, it, it he, he was involved in it but I because <laughs> yeah. it's got a very, very it's one of those ones mm. that's got there's about six or seven of these films with very very similar names. Um, anyway, I, yes. I, I yeah, um, but yeah, it wasn't <laughs> until the eighties where you had that phase. Yeah. Then where we were getting these combinations of like special effects work and martial arts and comedy and fantasy, um, which, which as you said, a lot of time they revisited some of the old stories because uh, they could now bring stuff. Even if the Shaws and others had wanted, 
with Enchanting Shadow to, you know, actually have a bit more spookiness than the effects wouldn't have been there. They weren't even really having wire work back in those days. So by the 80s, you had much more of an ability to actually bring those 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 films visually to life um, in a very interesting way. But then, like a lot of stuff with Hong Kong cinema, they, they kind of overdid it. And then we got to the 90s and <laughs> we got to the Category 3 of the 90s, mm-hmm. the sleaze and the, the wonderful... Uh, true crimers, like especially post untold story, post ninety three, and then that died off with the the prophets, and then we got to this post ring phase, um, we, which we'll talk more about, uh, and then after that, you know, Hong Kong cinema. I mean, we still we are still getting a few horrors at the moment, thankfully, but now in the last couple of years, post mm. um, you know the in- sudden jump up in mainlandification and uh, the national security law, which nobody really understands. Mm-hmm. So it's good that we're still getting a few horrors turning up, like Let It Ghost, which we screened, and, and as you say, we'll talk about, about Back Home later as well. So it'll be interesting to see where the Hong Kong horror genre goes, but I think it has always been a lot more locally focused um, than some other countries um, from around Asia. And even just in terms of proper ring rip-offs, I, say, I don't think there was very... There was very many. I mean, there were a few which were marketed as being like that, like the what the New Blood, Shiver, the Wicked Ghost films. They they tended to have covers which made their ghosts look a, a lot more like Sadako style, even though they really they really weren't. So, but it's just interesting. I, I think it ties into Hong Kong horror, not just being locally focused, but often being used to deal with like social commentary uh, and local local issues specifically for yes. for local audiences. Um, if you know if you know what mm. I mean, and I think that's something that feeds into Visible Secret, and mm. as a choice, of, you know, and Hoy choosing to make the film, uh, I guess as well, because it's it's mm. definitely a big part of Visible Secret, the actual social commentary, and it's hard not to see it uh, in the like post handover context, you know, with his characters. Mm. And again, you know, I mean, just having that sort of side to it as well does again is another link yeah. to the Spooky Bunch, which does have its own social commentary going on as well. So. Yeah, that that kind of approach to the story mm, bringing mm. these layers of oh yeah, it's a horror, but it's yeah, elevated it horror. Elevated horror. Elevated horror. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely oh, a lot no, of that yeah, in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, horror. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an interesting one uh, for her to for her to have taken on. But I I suspect part of that was was kind of commercial reasons. Uh, she she'd had quite a few mm. critical successes, I think, in the nineties, but not not really much in the way of commercial success at all, to be fair. And especially in that po- that that sort of short period leading up to the handover and then just after the handover, um, Hong Kong Center wasn't in a very good state until, you know, Infernal Affairs really, you know, had a, a rejuvenating effect on, on Hong Kong cinema. But I, I think it's some of her, her like mid to late 90s films. So they're very, they're really good films. They just didn't, they just didn't do that well. Even like Summer Snow or 18 Springs and, some of those, and I think mm. even then, like when we talk about her career, I, I think something you touched on before it is it's kind of the early films she did, and then the more recent ones. So as well as Visible Seeker, I think some of her her nineties films, even away from like the genre stuff, like uh, Zodiac Killers or what's the yeah. what's the one she did with Michelle Yeoh, the about the, well, the stunt, uh, it's stunt woman, that's stunt right. woman in the I UK. I can't remember the other name. It's, um, it's the name of her character. Uh, yeah, it's I like can't. Yeah, but even I those ones, like, they didn't really, you know, get out and still haven't gotten out there too much. When mm. you think of her, her work getting revisited, I mean, it's always yeah. put people, of course, but uh, it's either that or her when she makes a new film, 
um, which she's still doing quite regularly, which is great. Mm. But it, those films screen around and get bought mm. up by people and released. So I think it's weird. There's this, whether it's the the early '90s through to like Visible Secret and even like July Rhapsody, which she made next to a degree. I mean, that wasn't, you know, that was a good one for us to to have screened because it wasn't screening from other people. Um, so yeah, there's kind of like a decade where a lot of her films, I think, just didn't really, didn't really get out there. So I think doing something slightly more commercial with um with visible secret was a a good move for her and as you said as well like you know she she's a much more varied director than people necessarily give credit for or, or really understand because of you know and i agree this what we how things get compartmentalized for us you know is this an art house director it must be because she you know she's won awards for films you know she's done social dramas so that's what we'll mm. know her for you know so it's a, it, it is it is interesting because yeah. it's not on a lot of levels, the film is a departure for her, and on a lot of levels, it, it, it it's not. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too far away from her uh, her other works. I mean, the, the social commentary she brings in there and combines with the horror, and I, I think we'll talk shortly when we talk about what we what works in the film and what like what we like about the film. I mean, it's not it's a horror film, but it's not a scary film as such. And I think it really fits in with this Hong Kong mm. tradition of using the supernatural for for social commentary. And so said, it's really hard not to see the film mm. in a in a post handover con- context so the characters kind of being yeah. trapped and lost to an extent like tied to the past unsure about the future and this like this idea of identity mm. trauma uh you know shuchi's character and her both her ability to to see into you know the underworld and the amnesia subplot uh, and everything as well it's i mean it's not as prominently an issues film uh, i guess as some of the other ones she's done but it's it, it sees her kind of combining it in a way which gets really entertainingly quite weird uh, I think when I mentioned the narrative's a bit fractured and kind of wanders, but there are some parts of it which just don't don't make too much sense. Uh, I, I think deliberately. I, I don't think it actually tries to tie things together um, quite so much, even just in the way some of the characters develop. And yeah, I don't want to get into spoils, but Shuchi's character switches around quite a lot during the film in a very in, in a very interesting way. And I think all of mm. that is very deliberate, and it, it kind of creates this uh, for me there's a feeling of like uh, instability to almost to the whole film both both to the characters and to the situation they're they're living in uh, and how you know they they can't escape the past but they don't really know what they're going to do in the future and, and i think that comes across visually um in the film it's very otherworldly and like you said we've only so far and it's a shame i'm not going to be there for the screening because I, i've only seen it on the same crappy dvd you would have as well so I would like to see it properly. But even yeah. then, you can see it's got fantastic production values. And I think I, I said, like, it has a different mm. look compared to her more sort of gritty and grounded dramas, probably because of the people she was working with, uh, the, you know, Arthur Wong. And, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. very, very atmospheric, uh, I think. You've got some very good use of light and shadow mm. and that kind, of, that kind of neon green and those kind of more lurid colours which we associate with Hong Kong mm. horror, I think get used in quite a different a more creative way and I think that kind of makes up for the fact that it's not mm. it's not scary really I mean I don't don't think it cares no. it tries to be it I think I think that's I think in some ways that's kind of underlining that the the, the, the problem mm. people have with, with it because again they're trying to yeah. say, say is it a horror mm-hmm. or is it a comedy um, it's not so there are films that are much more yeah, like proper mm-hmm. horror, horror comedies where yeah, that people can people know where they should be. Yes. This one's a lot more yeah. complex than that, and I think you just kind of need to appreciate that. 
it is the emotional kind of roller coaster is, is it is much it is much more than than just fitting into that very kind of silly mm. comedy kind of line it's not a the the comedy in here is not the the, the sort of what we usually kind of associate associate mm-hmm. with Hong, Hong Kong comedy yeah, very yeah. very silly um uh, mm-hmm. kind of style it's 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 it is it, it's just yeah no no i i completely agree with you and it's it's a great film to be screening and i, and I think it's right to call it a horror film still just because of the you know it, it everything about it is uh, is enveloped in the supernatural and with ghosts it's not it, yeah. it actually treats its subject matter not respectfully but you know what i mean it's not a film where the, the ghost side of it is there just for mm. a wacky gimmick or a scary gimmick or anything like that and it's just it is a very character-led film with all the subplots and the narratives and everything that are going on as i said they don't really tie everything up all the time but um yeah it is quite a hard one to pin down to an extent because it is if not scary it is at least quite eerie you know it's quite unsettling in places but Mm. um Mm. it's very clear that it is a social commentary film without it being like a very underlined issues film it is very funny in places it is quite bizarre in places um so yeah that's but that's what i really like about it uh to that extent it's just the way that it, it has this kind of very different take on the supernatural uh, and I think I would have loved it if it had come out properly at the time because when we were getting deluged with ring films I think we would have appreciated really seeing something quite different um, at that time and seeing it in the context of just seeing stuff like Inferno yeah. Affairs and, yeah. and even like a lot of the Category 3 films of the 90s uh, whether it's Herman Yao's films or some of the very few ones which did have something about them you were seeing like we had that kind of pre-handover paranoia and the, the pre, you know, that sort of mm. ominous lurking threat of the mainland. And at this point, we were, it was more still a point of confusion because the handover had happened, but nobody still really knew exactly what, yeah, exactly what it meant. Right. And we saw that in Infernal Affairs yeah. with like you know, blurring identities of good and bad. And I think you see it very clearly in Visible Secret as well. Um, and it's a film which, if it had more attention, I think it would have, would have maybe led to some very interesting analysis or discussions. I mean, not, Christ, not academic analysis, because <laughs> I don't think we want any of that. But you know what I mean. I think it would. Have, I think it's tying back to what you said before about being sort of over unjustly overlooked. I think it's underanalyzed as well, and I, I think it definitely is just because it's mm. it is a horror film in that respect. And a lot of uh, you know people who analyze films or read into films really they don't touch horror films. So and they. You know they might turn up their noses at this, even though it's even though it's Bayan Hoy. But I I agree. I think there's a lot there's a lot going on in there as well. And I think it's even more interesting looking back at it now. You know, this is like more than twenty years later. Looking at back at that period of Hong Kong and that, even in, as I say, not just in foreign affairs, but I guess in the context of films from that whole period. You know, like Made in Hong Kong um, and other films, just to see all these these different mm. uh, different approaches to social commentary on how Hong Kong was trying to figure out, especially the younger generations were trying to figure out where they were going uh, at that point, to what extent they were tied to the past of Hong Kong versus this uncertain future. And I think I think she does a really good job of combining the, the horror, the comedy, um, even just the way it's directed and visually. I think all of it fits together really, really well into a still quite a mysterious, mysterious and eerie film. But I can't remember the sequel. I will say that I have seen it. I do have the DVD, but I can't remember anything about it whatsoever. <laughs> so, which which probably means it wasn't very good. But um, I don't know. I, I can't remember a single thing about it. But I would watch it again probably. 
So, Visible Secret is available now from Radiance Films on Blu-ray, coded mm. for A and B awesome. regions, so that means that American listeners can uh, listen to it as well. And and if you like, you might want to join us for the screening on uh, yes. Monday the 30th of October at the Go- Garden Cinema in London. Um, I'll see you at the bar, <laughs> you can buy there, me a so drink. Not, yeah, they can, buy you, they can buy you my drink as well <laughs> then. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll see. But I wish I, I wish I was there. I would love to see this on the big screen. The Garden Center must be quite a nice place to be on Halloween, just before Halloween, because it is. It could be quite creepy, uh, I guess. Down there. <laughs> <laughs> in the depths the of the Covent Garden. Mm. So moving quickly on to another film that's that's coming out um, uh, from the twenty seventh, mm. back yes, home. Yeah, uh, that's been re- yeah. So I mean, it's 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 really nice to see genre films kind of being picked up and 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 actually kind of you know, put out in UK Absolutely. cinemas. I mean, it's you know, and this is a a solid genre film, um, and that's yeah, pretty decent and creepy. Um, it's it's got some interesting casting. Um, so we have Ng Sang Kong um, mm-hmm. playing the lead. We've got that's Bae, right. Bae Lin yes. playing his mom, which I think is, which I think is quite interesting because that that makes a, a kind of a, a instantly kind of makes a connection to Dumpling, which is I'm not <laughs> going to put this in there. It's quite a, a, no, it's quite it's a good because she's been good place for this stuff for so long. Um, as well, and she's been trying to work back in Chinese. I, after she did that Richard Gere film, uh, Red Corner, and after that, you know, she That's went. Right. That was a long time ago. That she went mental after that, though. Um, yeah. I, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, in so both in terms of her career choices <laughs> and making that weird statement, sometimes pro China, sometimes very against China. Same with the U.S. and stuff. So she didn't. It was very hard to see what she was doing, but she does seem to be appearing in a few more films recently. So, so yeah, it's good to see her. Good to see her back in there and, and, and taking on a role which, as you say, we got dumplings thing, but it also sort of, you know, she is quite frightening, I think, by and <laughs> She's a bit, yeah. Generally, yeah, and yeah, she's yeah, quite yeah, scary sure. in this, definitely. I, I, you know, so, yeah. I mean, without going into the story too much, um, uh, uh, Anson Kong, he, who is a, That's a right. counterpop That's uh, right. star yes. from, from Mirror, um, he's coming mm-hmm. back from Canada to his mum's apartment in a very odd <laughs> complex. Everybody's acting very weirdly. Yeah. Um, for me, I, there are a few things that kind of, I think of, but obviously, the, one of the most obvious ones oh, yes, is rigor mortis, where you've got some, yeah. some weird stuff going on. Um, and the other one would be uh, the Hideo Nakata film and TV series. Oh, the complex. the complex. I get that confused with the Insight Mill. I don't know. And there's another one called Seven Day Death Game and they might all be the same film. <laughs> no, the complex is different. Insight Mill and Death right, Game okay, okay, are okay. the same film. Because the latter one, the latter okay. two one that you've mentioned is... So is I've reviewed them all for Eastern Kicks and I, I still can't remember um, what the three of them are. But 
I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're right though with the complex. Yeah, you know. but the complex is, is about That's, some weird okay. stuff going on okay. about a complex, and I think, and and, and actually was one of the better Hideo <laughs> Nakata entries for what, uh, whatever much, that but means. Yeah. But also, but also it would have been a lot more interesting if we got the TV yes. series as well because yeah. it kind of tied in and it actually had more of a. We were only kind of seeing one of the stories where the whole idea is that 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 there would be this kind of, it's not mm. sort of a ghost that was kind of moving yeah, on would between apartments sense. effectively. So. There's lots mm. of weird stuff and weird characters going on here. Um, I I think you could probably tie this into um, if you wanted to look at it that way to the the the, the way it's a certain kind of um, okay. social commentary as well in terms of it. it it's a it's a very poor mm, complex mm. that they're in. Um, you might want to look at it in terms of somebody kind of struggling with yeah, their identity yeah. as well. Um, you've got so this is this as as a young man mm-hmm. he was somebody who saw ghosts, um, and then he starts mm-hmm. to have that ability again. Um, I think what he there's some nice bits that that, that I think have been been seen in other things. Maybe could have been made more, yeah. but might be, might be I, I agree would, with that would have helped. But they've got some nice mm-hmm. kind of cultural ideas of um, the the sort of um, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's quite nice visually. Makeup. Um, and there's sort of the paper gifts as well, um, without kind of giving any spoilers. Perhaps some of this could be actually kind of amplified in, in the film, but it, it is it does give it a, more of a cultural kind of a, uh, a backing to what's to what's going on. And some of it is genuinely quite there's some 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 nice <laughs> icky stuff and some nice uh, kind of atmosphere in it as well. So you know, and and having a proper kind of Cantonese horror new horror yes. that's, that's coming out. Not that long out in Hong Kong and, and out great. in the UK. Oh no, it's got to be a positive. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, uh, I mean, I get it's a mixture of not many of these these films being made, I guess. Uh, and I guess some of the others, like you know, I mentioned like Let It Ghost, which which we screened, but I think would be too local audience targeted to to have released in the UK. Let It Ghost, whereas whereas this one mm. is more of a horror film. Um, than some of the other because we yeah. still see one or two of these these kind of films floating around very very few compared to the old days but I think this one I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say I think it, it's made with any kind of international audience in mind but I think the director's sensibilities are fairly international and I think mm-hmm. the way some of it's shot yeah. reminds me of quite a few other directors work I, without wanting it to make it sound like he's um, <laughs> being overly inspired by other films. I think you said as well that there's quite a few touches in there, uh, which are creepy. You've seen in other films, and he kind of uses them a bit as not throwaway, but they're mm. more like background details or um, and things like that. But yeah, I, I think it's fantastic to see a film like this getting a UK release, and, and I really hope it, you know, interests or intrigues some audiences because a lot of the the younger audiences wouldn't have gone through what we went through in the early two thousands with the, with this deluge of ring films. They, they won't have. <laughs> suffered uh, as we did and now have come back to it well <laughs> suffered yeah, for their art having that context because <laughs> even aside from that that boom which when we lasted like 2005 6 or 7 give or take we haven't had any kind of Asian horror boom for, for a long time so, and most of the the younger audiences who are into Asian cinema which is great too it's just different different time periods but I think for a lot of people like us who were getting deluge with the, not just that but the action films the sort of tartan releasing everything around the early 2000s everything was very genre focused whereas mm. I think now it's more likely to be people saying they love Parasite or they love those you know 
more those kind of awardy type films and mm. everything. So it's not it's not genre focused uh, really anymore. So I, I think it'd be I really hope that the idea of seeing like a, a Hong Kong horror film, and one which does, then as you say, like it does have a lot of cultural context in there. Um, so I really mm. hope this will intrigue some some younger fans you know, to get out there and actually see it and then yeah. to go on and explore that sort of rich world of um, Hong Kong horror. Um, I hope. And then, of course, if mm. this is successful, hopefully we'll, we'll see more more stuff like it coming out because no, nobody else is putting out um, mm. Hong Kong horror films. Uh, and if they're successful, then the producers yeah. will make more of them. So, so yeah, let's, let's, let's hope it does well. Let's hope it does well. Back Home is released in UK cinemas by Haven Films from the 27th of October. So that's it for now. Don't forget you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. But if I don't uh, see well, you, you Mr. Spirit. in a couple of weeks' time, well, uh, yes. Yeah, cheers, we'll say and happy, cheers happy for now. Halloween. Cheers. <laughs>